very good evening to you and welcome to the program Nigeria Sunset on J101.9 here in Jos. My name is Bonsak Fanab. It's a beautiful uh, Tuesday evening here in Jos, 29th of uh, November 2022. Gilbert Joseph is here. Uh, Gilbert, good evening. How's it going? Good evening, Bonsak. It's been going on well so far. A busy day. Well, yeah, really grateful, thankful to God for what has been so far a successful day. Good evening to you. Uh, the weather has been warm, you know, I'll say. Uh, yeah, friendly, but it's been sunny. Yeah. Excruciatingly sunny. Wow. Uh, if it's hot, we complain. <laughs> it's cold. Uh, I think that the better deal is to give thanks. Uh, because you can't do anything. In South <laughs> yeah. uh, You can't do anything. Well, uh, what stories, Gilbert, have you been following? Um, we did play an insight or soundbite, as the case may be, yesterday, um, while the program commenced about uh, the rising situation of Nigerians migrating um, overseas. And then, obviously, the banner headline for one of the dailies today was the fact that the Minister of Information and Culture, Al-Hajilai Mohammed, um, is warning Nigerians you know, as to how careful they should be, or if need be, they shouldn't be traveling outside um, of Nigeria for whatever reason. And uh, the reasons he adduced to this was, uh, or the reason was passport theft, and what other thing again, for their passports not to get stolen, they begin to call into question some of the things that uh, these people say. And there hasn't been any sort of coherence, as far as we do know, uh, the Buhari administration, the cabinet members, it's either somebody is saying another thing and then somebody is coming out later on to refute that same thing. It was exactly the same sort of um, display we saw. Right, you have Femi Adeshina saying no. Nigerians have always wanted to travel. Nigerians have always wanted to leave the country. It's not about things getting um, worse or getting as terrible as they get, but it's about the fact that we love to explore and wherever citizens would have good life, they would always choose to travel. And then you're having this sort of lame excuse, in my opinion, coming from um, such a minister. I don't know. What do you want him to say? Uh, Nigeria and the best of us are living. I mean, that's the truth. Absolutely. If you find, you know, Absolute. people always say that, especially young people, millennials, uh, that's the strength of any society, you know, living the country in person. A human being doesn't want to suffer. And the history or the story of us human beings is about movement. We love to move. You know, human being doesn't want to be static. Uh, and so if it's not favorable economically and what you're putting in is not what you're getting, uh, it doesn't make sense, you know, to keep saying it's like doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different uh, result. So it's left for the political class to fix the system and uh, with the cooperation of um, the Nigerian people. But you know, again, it's very tough because uh, Nigerians don't trust government. Just that, you know, uh, how they're expressing it, you know, is... It's not very vocal yet, but uh, people are getting dissatisfied as the day passes, you know, with uh, all that is going on in our country. That's true. There was once a time when Nigerians had the freedom of expression. You just led me into something that I thought was going to be avoidable. Um, the issue of uh, the young man, Aminu, right? There was a point in time in this country when uh, people prayed literally for the former president, Goodluck Jonathan, and his entire family to, to just die. 
right? People said all sorts of things. They took coffins in demonstration. Nothing happened. But you do have this young man here who just simply expressed his opinion. And there was no sort of legality to say, okay, this fellow has been convicted. Yeah, yeah, in Duse. Well, Nans right now apologizing to the first lady on behalf of the students. It's just about trying to solve the issue. Just let the guy be free. That's what they're trying to do. Every other thing is secondary, right? They can't, They just know it's very difficult to withstand such a high, uh, highly powerful individual when it has to do with securing the release of freedom of that. And that's why they, are, they have to plead. Because we do know he can run in detention and nothing would happen. I mean, just like Gladiator. Yeah. In, in yeah. Yeah, well, very sad uh, when you talk about rights abuses, uh, the Buari administration. I, I wouldn't want to look at it, you know, as an administration thing because uh, since if you read uh, journals from Open Society of West Africa, there's Osiwa, uh, you see the documented police brutality in the early 2000s, you know, right from uh, democracy, dawn of democracy in 1999 uh, to 2011, I think. So you have huge you know, evidence. We have one of the worst policing system, you know. Um, nowhere in the world I've heard of a police force qualified the Nigerian, Nigerian police force. And so at some police. point they tried to um, is they requesting that name or something and it hasn't worked up till now, right? Yeah. Uh, but but there is there, there has always been in the trajectory of Nigeria points where human rights abuses are so pronounced. And you just can't help the fact that this administration's human rights records are so poor, and evidently so poor. Did, did you read the news report that uh, the CGN saying that Nigerians are among the most, uh, the, 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 like we're top when it comes to litigation in courts? Yeah. I haven't seen that. Okay. I haven't I, seen I, that I yet. I said, okay. So our, we have to fight, you know. And if you look at, you know, the justice system around the world, uh, they are teaching even non-lawyers alternative dispute resolution. That's what they call uh, multi-court door house, you know, I think in Jones, uh, Plateau State rather, okay. uh, Santos Laraps, you know, okay. Santos Ayuba uh, mm. Laraps, Tanshak is, uh, is part and parcel of that. And what they will do is that they will just teach you how to resolve if two people have conflict. Because conflict is normal, it's natural mm -hmm. in life. Uh, but take you know, taking it to court, I mean, it's. Well, when I read that report, I'm like, okay, now I understand. Small thing, let's meet in court. Small thing, let's. And if you look at chunk of, you know, what is taken uh, over in the court, is is all about election politics. Elections, it's, literally. You know, it's about party, Absolutely. you know, issues and Absolutely. things like. I think the political parties, you know, need to know how to organize themselves, especially because where litigation in political party arise is congresses, party congresses, maybe at the ward level, at the local government level, or at the state level, and then you have the political primaries where the party seeks to nominate candidates. candidates, you know, that were a stand uh, for them and fly the flag of the uh, party. So I think the political party should do better. Because if the CGN is complaining, it shows that, you know, there are a lot of cases that 
is even overwhelming for the judges, you know, to handle. True. And you, you, you just can understand why, I think a couple of weeks back, he designated certain judges to just take care of litigation issues within four, four weeks. If that's, that's not even drawn nearer to a conclusion, as the case may be, they had to just suspend other engagements just to ensure they resolve issues that have uh, come up after primary elections and all of because they are just one too many. And you could see in the course of this week, was it yesterday? Yeah. Um, okay, before, before on Thursday, yes, before Thursday, is that am I getting this date right? But fact is, lots of judgments have been delivered from Taraba State, um, go to the issue of the Adamaw Senate State. President, Adamawa State, thank you. Um, just too many, too many, Ebonye, I think was also part of that. There are just too many. It tells you that people just um, want to further their interests politically, and that's why some of these things are coming up. And then the most embarrassing challenge is you have innocent people spending a greater part of their lives in jail. Some not even convicted of crimes they committed or not. And innocent people are left to, to just, I mean, we just yeah. hope that he finds a solution as a chief justice of the country. True, but uh, again, it's discouraging people, you know, about uh, every, uh, like I said, there's a multi-court door house, you know, in Planter States and EDR, uh, uh, enabled, you know, alternative dispute resolution. But before you get to court, they'll give you an option, you know, with the, the person that you are taking to court. Do you want to resolve this? You know, are you willing to drop your biases and just listen to one another? I mean, I think that is a great option that people will uh, explore. Well, I don't think we need to take a break because uh, the guest we have is once in a while. You know, you don't get those uh, this kind of people often. And number one, because of their schedule. Number two, because of uh, other commitment. And the service that he give us, uh, because, I mean, the service is invaluable uh, for our country, for us, just to help our society and, you know, serve as he, like Martin Luther King Jr. would say, uh, the conscience of society. And if you, those kind of people, you know, are missing in society, I mean, society will just grow in the dark without any um, uh, headway or pathway out of it. We have the Reverend Dr. Gideon Paramalam. Good evening and thank you very much for coming, sir. Thank you, Panchuk. Thank you. Yeah, well, long time no here, sir. Long <laughs> yeah. time no see. Yeah, they say long time no see. Now you've added long time no here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to see you as always. Uh, well, we're cruising into 2023 election. Uh, I think we should start first with how did your name get into the Presidential Campaign Council of the APC? When I saw it, I, 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 I said, Toh, maybe we're not bringing Ashley to see ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, until I saw your rejoinder, I said, okay, okay. Uh, maybe it was a mistake, but that was a costly mistake. Point shark. So now I think you're putting me on the hot seat. <laughs> no, not a hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, part of the reason why you haven't been seeing me is because I am undergoing what is called a guided research program, which is postdoctoral, at the Oxford Center for Mission Studies. So I spent six weeks, uh, uh, three times in a year. So I was on one of those cohorts uh, in October, uh, when actually really reading, I was completely 
into my books, you know, in uh, at, the, at the Oxford University Library because the college I go to uh, has a partnership for us to do our research at the University of Oxford's library. So I was really reading, and then I forgot to take my uh, computer charger, and so my computer ran down, and I still had lots of work to do. So I went to my room, which wasn't far. Uh, from the University of Oxford to pick up my charger. Then my phone, I got a message from a friend and says, I'm not sure you're aware that your 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 name is going all over the place, all the social media, you know, it's the agog that you've been nominated to serve in the APC Presidential Campaign Council. And I'm like, this is a joke. But then I realized it was not a joke, so I went back to the library and I was reading into the night and I closed around 8 p.m. And I got back and I was trying to be a typical student, you know, I was trying to prepare uh, dinner for myself. And then I saw a story with, from Punch with my name, then I said, now I've got to do something about this. That's what led to my... Uh, writing a rebuttal. By the way, the rebuttal that I wrote also, uh, may, I think it circulated even wider than 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 the fake list that purportedly uh, oh. carried my name. Because if I, I released my statement around 11 by 2 o'clock. Uh, Punch had published it, and then several other media outlets picked it in the morning. By 8 p.m. Uh, on Friday, a blogger in Lagos called me to say, hey, thank you for your rebuttal. We checked and over 20 million people have visited the site, read it or clicked to follow the story. But have you had anything to do with the APC? Uh, no, absolutely. I think, let me put it this way. You know, I'm into peace building. Yes. That's something you need to know. Yeah. And when you're a peace builder, you relate to everybody. I have friends in APC, in the government, whether at the state level, at the federal level. I also have friends in PDP. I also have friends in the Labour Party. I also have friends in other parties who are actually contesting either to be governors. These are people who reach out to you all over, and when I meet all over the country, I know somebody in um, in, in Ibom before he ran for governorship, who is running now, I was one of those he consulted with to ask for my, for my opinion. I know somebody, I mean, from one of the very uh, power elite families in, in Rebus, he's contesting on the APC. I was one of those he consulted with just to share, and then several others, even within Plateau State itself, okay? So, because I have an open door policy, I relate with everybody. So I think somebody who just thought, hey, we think Paramalan can make a contribution to our campaign issues, he mooted my name, but unfortunately he didn't talk with me because if he did, I would say no. But I think in fairness to the gentleman, he's a very sharp, intelligent young man. He had a very close relationship and he still has with a COGU, and I think he probably thought they could bring me in. And then when it became a serious issue, He'd apologized to me twice. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, still on the line of you know election, do you have faith uh, that INEC is going to conduct a free, fair, credible election next year, or 
uh, or better, you know, make our election because Niger the only democratic marker in Nigeria as a society is periodic conduct of election. But our democratic institutions are absolutely weak and they don't even serve, you know, the uh, yearnings and aspiration of the Nigerian people. We have faith that Ayman Kinoi is capable of conducting free, fair, credible election. It's a very good question, and I think it's a question I would urge our listeners to really ponder, think about, uh, pray about, because Nigerians like to be very religious. They pray about everything, but sometimes I don't even know whether they even respect the prayers that they pray, you know? So, but it's a good question, and we need to think about it. But you know, thinking about this question, as you are asking me also, is to think, do I have faith on the credibility of INEC? Then I ask myself, do I even have faith in the credibility of Nigerians to allow a free and fair elections to succeed in the country? I think about that innocent mother, a young woman in Kogi State, who was burned during the elections. Was it INEC that burnt her? No. Who set her house on fire? Nigerians. Nigerians. Political talks. Yeah. So it's a question that goes beyond INEC to Nigerians themselves. But let me say, I have a big concern because federal institutions, or government institutions, whether it's federal, or state or local government have a very unfortunate history of pandering to the government that appoints them or the ponder to whatever government of the day is there in power. You're yeah, even questioning the independence exactly. of the Exactly. So, and, and so this is where leadership matters. When you get appointed to head an institution so critical, so essential to the survival of democracy in Nigeria, like INEC, please don't go there thinking about a President Jonathan, good luck, or thinking about a President Muhammadu Buhari. It's completely wrong. Think about Nigerians. Think about the common good. Think about the survival of democracy. For goodness sake, you are a guardian of the democratic ideals, the democratic survival of our nation. So I think I'm sort of giving an admonishment and calling upon INEC at the national level, at the state level, to be fair. Don't just say you're going to be fair, be seen to be fair to all the political parties. That's where credibility comes about. Do not try to pander to any government in power, whether it's at the state level or it's at the federal level. The independence of INEC will guarantee the survival of democracy in Nigeria. All right, let's talk about vote buying as a new phenomenon. 
uh, and politicians, especially with this recent uh, Nara redesign, uh, is all geared toward making sure that the economy is being protected. Uh, and number two, that uh, the game is being altered, you know, for politicians who have hot money uh, just with the thought of buying votes of the electorate. Of course, uh, we all know that poverty has been weaponized in our country. It is an age-long uh, wicked practice that uh, uh, the elites have done on the ordinary Nigerian person. What punitive measures will you suggest should be taken on those uh, politicians who are intending or even will buy votes of the electorate at the, on the day of the uh, election? And also, uh, keeping in mind that INEC doesn't have any prosecution, uh, prosecutory powers, you know, against anybody caught in, in the act of vote buying. Yeah, I think again, these are very pertinent issues that have been with us for a long time and keeps growing. You know, sometimes even if the politicians don't even bring the money out, the people themselves will say, well, if you don't give me money, I'm not going to support you. Mm -hmm. The issue of our greed, the monetization of our politics, it's a disastrous natural national culture or democratic culture that we should not encourage. Now, you know, I, I think when I heard you, what should be done to the politicians is, do we have laws that address that? So far from what I read, I haven't seen anything very clearly frowning at that. And that is why in advanced democracy, like in the US perhaps, that I will use that as an example, you keep hearing the campaign finance policy. They put certain policies in place that regulates contributions even to the political parties. You are allowed to contribute to the political parties, yes, but let your contribution be done in such a way that it does not become a blackmail weapon that you use because I've given this political party so-so and so-so, then this political party, when once in power, they must do this and do this for me. So they're able to address that through campaign financing. They address many things. Now, for Nigeria, as I listen to your question, what I keep thinking about is what about the only people that can deal with this. It's not even INEC, but EFCC. All right. You know, it said somewhere, follow the money. Mm -hmm. Actually, when Watergate broke out, that's the scandal, the scandal. that brought down President Nixon uh, during the campaigns in um, in 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 what what is the political campaign campaign in 1972 election, and they broke into the Democratic headquarters in a place called Watergate. Uh, Watergate is like Book Rio, yeah, yeah. you know. so they named the scandal Watergate. after you know Watergate. Yeah, exactly. Now and 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 so if you study those very intelligent, very young at the time, journalist, Bob Woodworth, and another guy. Somebody just gave them a tip, follow the money, follow the money. So most of their journalistic work was done in following the money. As they follow the money, it began to unearth more and more things. Some of it harsh money, money given to those who did the break in so that they can keep quiet and not expose you and things like that. Eventually, Watergate became a big scandal. I would say to EFCC, follow the money. 
EFCC, EFCC should be able to, they have agents all over the place. They also have people who mingle with the crowd during some of those political campaigns and things like that. Follow the money. Now, I've also had Nigerians say, okay, collect the money, eat the money, but don't vote for the person. I think that's You're going to vote for your conscience. But that's corrupt way of thinking. What justice do you have to collect someone's money? They say it's public money. Yeah, it's our money. No, I think, yes, great, it's public money, yes, but is that the best way we're going to use our public money? It's like, well, if your father or your mother has money, are you going to go and steal that money and spend it and say, after all, it's my father's money? I understand it's public money, but that's not the way. By the way, if we follow that uh, path of reasoning and argument, it's only going to further monetize our political uh, journey and, 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 and in fact, um, cause us more harm in the end. Reverend, let's look at the secularity of this country and how seriously secular Nigeria is. And with the advent of a new practice in the Muslim-Muslim ticket, is our secularity threatened, or you think it's basically an idealistic move and devoid of emotions from the ruling class or the ruling APC as it were to regain power in 2023? I believe that Nigeria is multi-religious, Nigeria is multi-ethnic, Nigeria is also multicultural. So when you have all of these three components coming together to make up what we have today as Nigeria, it's a complete mistake to have a Muslim-Muslim ticket. It's not because, and I want to make it very clear, it's not because you're against Muslims, you know, I mean, expressing their political uh, uh, opinions, you know, but I just think it's morally incomprehensible. It's wrong. It's not correct. Let me ask a question. Flip the coin. Would you support majority of Nigerians or Muslims? Would they support the Christian Christian ticket? So I put it back to you, Poncha. Would you support a Christian Christian ticket? If Muslims will rise up and say no to a Christian Christian ticket at the federal level, then there's no reason whatsoever to support a Muslim Muslim ticket at the federal level. In states, there are even cases in which certain considerations are put in. So you end up, if you have a governor who is a Christian, and you look at the population ratio and you guide that, then you can have a Muslim, a, 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 a Muslim to be there as, a, as the deputy. If it's a Muslim that is there, you have a, 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 a Christian that is there as the deputy. Now we experimented with Kaduna, which is very unfortunate. I'm from Kaduna State, by the way. Yeah. The Muslim Muslim ticket was experimented. I was one of those that said no. I visited Kaduna. I have friends in that government, but I can tell you this is unfortunate. If that experiment in Kaduna is anything to go by, then it's a serious danger that threatens the secularity of Nigeria going forward if you bring it at the federal level. I went to a function organized by the Kaduna state government to receive materials, medical materials supplied by the British government. And I went on the invitation of the British High Commission. 
when I went to that place, okay, the governor couldn't come. He sent the deputy, bless her, she's a good lady. That's uh, Dr. Hadiza Balarabi. And, and she was there to represent the governor. Tonshak and Gilbert and our viewers, I didn't like what I saw. Literally every single person that is from all the parastatals and government, commissioners, everybody that came, literally almost everybody there was a Muslim. Even the MC are Muslim. Those who did what? Muslims in Kaduna State with a significant number of Christians? No, that's not correct. That's not correct. Nigeria at the federal level should not go in that direction. I'm saying this because I believe in the unity of this country. If you keep going with a Muslim-Muslim ticket scenario, mindset, and thinking, one day you're going to have a country divided. And unfortunately, some of us do not want that to happen. But the question is that, uh, Reverend, the politicians will always make their calculations. Uh, uh, I mean, they will say that I am after witnessing getting votes. I'm not after the faith of you know the person. If the person can garner votes for me, it's fine. Uh, what do you have to say about uh, that kind of you know thinking and idea? Fine political talk, which I call it political nonsense. I've just given you the example of Kaduna. I have just when that happens, you embolden the other side to always believe that they are superior, they're in control, they're in charge. As a conflict, as a uh, conflict resolution expert, do you think that is uh, what is happening in Kaduna? That is, and Kaduna, by the way, is in a post-conflict uh, society, it's a post-conflict you know, society. The riots, you know, the crises that have, you know, happened many, many years ago, uh, Kaduna State, you know, is still trying to pull itself, you know, from that. Do you think that uh, the same faith issue in Kaduna is still uh, holding the state and threatening the secularity uh, of, of Kaduna State? And what would you say to politicians who will, you know, think that okay, even if I bring same faith, you know, issue, I'm going to win, making like you rightly said, emboldening the other side to because democracy is about majority rule, minority rights. Yeah, I mean, as I say, the politicians, it's so, it's so, it's so okay, so sweet to say it, but it's nonsense. Please, you've got to think this. Democracy also has an element of inclusiveness. Of course, that's the minority so, rights. Yeah, so once you begin to govern on the basis of majority, then you cross the threshold and you end up with what we call the tyranny of the majority. Mm -hmm. Actually, I coined that during some of my writings and interviews, I think I granted either to the nation sometimes in 20, 2015, I think. The tyranny of the majority is an unfortunate development in Nigeria. Now, let me explain. You've got the majority who believe that because they're their majority, it's winner takes all, losers take nothing. Uh, Reverend, can you help put the middle belt into perspective into, as you have advanced this argument? Just factor in the middle belt um, scenario in there. As well. Well, well, I thought maybe when I go, I can come back again, but it's all right. So I was coming down, okay? So you have the tyranny of the majority, but you also come, unfortunately, that even some of the other ethnic groups, if you go to one state where a particular tribe, ethnic 
nationality is the majority, then they take everything. And all other tribes will never smell any position. I don't want to begin to name, but we have them. Of course. If you have in a state the Igalas, permit me to use that as an example, to be in the majority then, all the governors will always be Igala, and Igbira man can never smell the government house. Same thing with teeth in Benway. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah, you know, you know, Taraba, wherever you yeah. <laughs> but, but here's where I'm going. Yeah. But, but look at the political sense that got into some of the power elites in Kogi State. I used that because I wanted to bring out something positive. Of course, yeah. They decided, and look, if we want to keep our state united, if we want to create a sense of inclusiveness, then let us also allow a non-Igala person to be what? President. Actually, the elected an Igala governor. governor. Sorry, governor, not president, sorry. No, he died. But they decided to allow somebody else to run. You know? So I think that talking about the middle belt, I think that in the middle belt also, um, um, I, I would personally encourage inclusiveness. But inclusiveness needs to take into cognizance the demographics within that particular state. For instance, you go to Taraba. Do you understand me? I think I would encourage people in Taraba to run the state in such a way that it should not always be the Jukuns that will produce the government. I think sometimes it's even good that the majority will say, okay, we've been in power for so long in this state, let's allow an Idoma, for instance, to be the governor in Benue State. That would help everybody to feel included. Now, do you think, how did Barack Obama ever get to become president in the U.S.? If you went by the disjointed thinking, political thinking, democratic thinking that takes place in Nigeria, Barack Obama would never have been president. But here he is. Here he was, rather, as president. If they went with that kind of mentality, then Sunar would probably not become the prime minister of Britain today. So I think that in Nigeria, we've got to think beyond that. Now, in Nigeria, there's a very dangerous development, something that's going on, which I describe as democratic, demo, de democra, demographic warfare. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. When people continue to give birth without control, you just keep having as many children as you want to have. At the back of the minds of some people is, let's have more children that will make us the majority in this country, we'll have more votes. That is a very dangerous future that Nigeria is path, it's following. That's a dangerous path to follow going into the future. And the natural resources to cater for the population. It's so lean. Several, several, several factors that are so disturbing. Let's talk about uh, the middle belt right now. Uh, the middle belt. What's the about? Yeah, well, <laughs> Baba Chilawal has come out to say that, look, I'm Pukitaobi. He was one of the strong supporters of Ashwaj Bola at Mentinimo. But when Tinubu took the path of uh, St. Faith ticket, he said, no, uh, that is it's not going to support a, a secular or a multi-religious diversity, basically, and it's not going to encourage uh, inclusion. And he pulled out. And right now, 
I just some days ago, he made a statement that I'm for P2B. Yakubu Dugura has said that, look, I'm not part of that group, you know, uh, and he has, you know, I, I don't know where he is right now. Some people in the middle belt are for Peter Obi, some people in the middle belt, you know, are for uh, Ashwajipola at uh, and then some are with the PDP, that is Atiku, and some again are with the integrity group, uh, a faction in the PDP, uh, a group, you know, I would say, in the uh, PDP. Do you think the middle belt right now is shredded and there's no coherence uh, in, in, in seeking for the interests of the silent majority of the middle belt or in the middle belt yeah thank you uh this is what you want gilbert has been saying middle belt middle belt. <laughs> let's talk about the middle belt okay i think honestly as i i try to think deeply about this democracy it's about you you've you've got to you don't you don't you don't sit back and get your so-called deserved rights in democracy. You've got to struggle. And I think what we're beginning to see now, without being too negative, is that I think that the middle belt could even be discussing at the national level, because some of the things taking place in the middle belt are capturing the national headlines. When you come talk about our democracy, I think it's positive. Okay? Positive in the sense that we are talking. But on the other hand also, you can still see that the middle belt is struggling and trying to find its feet. I, I, okay, I've spent time to talk with Babachir Lawa. Interesting. Yeah, he spent he spent time. We we we've spent time to really discuss for what were his views? No no no. I think that he probably would have continued with the APC, but for the Muslim Muslim ticket. He gave me the background, the circumstances of how it was done. And when I hear Asiwaju himself and others say, you know. Dogara and Baibachi Lawal are ranting because they were not given the vice presidential slot. I just laugh. It's not true. He said that over and over, and people really think so. So let your hearers who hear me know that that's not the case. I'm not in any political party, but I have great friends in all the political parties. You said that earlier. Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying this because I want to make a point now. So some of us follow things. You follow things throughout the campaign period, even during PDP. I was one of those that followed, followed developments on the campaign ground and everything. Who is likely going to emerge? Why? What are the factors and all that? I did exactly the same thing with the with the APC. So it's not because of that. Actually, that night, from what I heard, a promise was made that they would go ahead and support a Siwaju because they're going to give the vice presidential slot to a Christian from the north. I refuse to use the word minority. Christian in the north. But was that promise kept? It was failed. So don't talk about people reacting because they were denied. Rather, ask yourself, did you make that promise that you were going to give it to a Christian from the north? 
Are Christians in the North not deserving to contest for the presidency of this country? If they do not contest, are they not worthy to be considered as vice president of this country? They are. Rebel, it's, let's politics, look at the it's politics of exploitation. It's politics of, of degradation. It's politics of deceit. Christians in the North should be allowed to have a say in the political affairs of this country at the highest level. I refuse to encourage or to allow Christians from the middle belt to have any mindset of playing second fiddle. It shouldn't be. Listen, I even think that most of the people in the South do not understand exactly what Christians are going through in the North. The fallacy that makes it look like anybody from the North, it's a Muslim. It's wrong. We need to correct that. And I also need to challenge our Muslim brothers in the North. Do you really consider Christians in the North as truly your neighbors? your brothers, your sisters, or do you think they're just to be there to be used by you whenever you need them? No, it shouldn't be. That's primitive politics, and that needs to change. Listen, there are certain things that our generation tolerated, I can assure you that our children will never tolerate. Make no mistake about it. And political struggles that has the DNA of self-determination, no matter how long you suppress it, one day it's going to come out and people are going to free themselves from some of these manipulations that's going on. Right. So, so, so I'll, I'll add this before I go. So, yeah. Babachiro Lawal decided after viewing all of these things to say, hey, I'm going to support uh, 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 Peter, Peter Obi. Yes, a dirty ticket. Fine, that's his opinion. I mean, every politician should be allowed, every Nigerian should be allowed to exercise their fundamental rights to say, this is the direction I want to go. Dogara then said, okay, no, we haven't yet taking a decision. It's not the where I alone. It's actually a group of them. We have not yet taken a decision. He didn't say we are not going in that direction. He simply said we're yet to take a collective decision. So give them the benefit of that. Right. So hopefully, hopefully, because they care really for the survival of democracy in Nigeria. They care for inclusiveness. So we need to listen to the arguments behind the headlines hear what is being said and then see what we can do. But here's what I wanted to say, and I said it to both of them. Avoid a public contestations of some of these matters. Some of them you can deal with them privately and not come to the pages of newspapers to address them. All right, in case you just uh, join us, we've been having a chat with the Reverend Dr. Gideon Paramalam, and we're looking at the state of the nation. We've talked about several uh, things, and we'd love for you to be part of this conversation, 81 21877777 or you call 090-556-6699. Before calling, you have to turn down the volume of your radio or you turn it off completely. You will be giving social media. On Facebook, you can go to www.facebook.com forward slash JFM Live. And on Twitter, we are at JFM Joss.
Yeah, so uh, let's take your call. 081-2187-7777. Before calling, turn down the volume of your radio or you turn it off completely and then you tell us name and where you are calling from. Or you call 081-090-556666699. Maybe Gilbert will take some uh, uh, comment on, uh, on Facebook. Okay. Um, I know there are lots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, are quite, there are quite many. And it's where do I start from here? Um, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do some form of breakdown here before we can. Okay. Andrew Langs is saying they may um, they may be leaders, but could also be sampling public opinions before making their decisions. In any case. The populace are still the political navigators, and those supposed leaders are regrettably privileged to be the beneficiaries. Joseph Angeli says, to be sincere, middle belt will, um, okay, is going to share their vote here, and it will go to go on to block their chances of getting better political appointments. Good evening, Ponsak and Gilbert and the guests. Izang Asi is saying, good evening, Sunset. All my advice goes to the youths. Let's open our eyes and vote wisely come 2023. Don't let these so-called politicians to divide us. Their children are abroad enjoying while we're here suffering. Love you guys. God bless JFM and bless you too. Stanley SC saying, all I know is that if INEC conducts a free and fair election, Labour Party would pull a lot of surprise. Just as it is in football, we are obediently waiting for February 25, 2023. Peter Agnes is saying, good evening, Mr. Ponsak and Gilbert. Let's be honest with ourselves. Middle Belt's political leaders should be obedient and useful. That will be the solution to their problem. Julius, Julius Achigak Igama says, their house should not be scattered or divided, but they have to support a credible and competent candidate come to intern three for a better and greater nation. Hapsin Manasse says, good evening, Ponsak and Gilbert. I think it is not only middle belt leaders that are divided. Um, it's Nigeria as a whole that is confused as to who to support in the next general election. Sambu Waziri says, Good evening, JFM. To cut my own contribution short, it is clear that APC agenda will succeed over the subject matter. Most of the APC leaders um, are having to just work for their personal interest. All right. Titus Paradang is saying, Middle Belt leaders should do the needful by coming together through one voice. Doing so will give them recognition. Um, okay, okay. Zauri Timnan Labar says, Good evening, Ponsak, Gilbert, and the guests. Let the Middle Belt youths trade with care about the forthcoming general election. Come 2023. Yeah. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Uh, 081-2187-7777. Keep the calls uh, coming. Or you call 90 Shwatbyang on Twitter saying, God bless the guests in the studio for the word tyranny of the majority. Imagine a country with multi-ethnic sects and yet they continue calling three so-called majority tribes, uh, which are Hausa, Igbo, and Yoruba. This should be addressed, you say. Uh, 090-55-66-6699. Let's take the first call. Hello. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Join the conversation. Tell us your name. Well, listening. Thanks for calling. Yeah, actually, I will 
Thank you, thank you. Okay, uh, Reverend, please go ahead and give you. I know. Okay, maybe we can squeeze in this one. As okay, uh, it didn't even work. What will be your response uh, to the comments that you've heard, and give us your final word? Yes. Um, first of all, let me really commend uh, the listeners. It's very clear that they're following very intently. They're engaging with the issues that are being raised, which is good. And it's also showing that people are becoming more and more political, politically aware, which is good. 
you, uh, Pont, uh, Gilbert wanted to ask a question, and I feel it's good for me to give him space to quickly ask <laughs> so I can answer him. For yeah, well, I'll just first just look at the bigger picture uh, with regards to the northernization of Nigeria and the 2023 election. 19 northern states, how many governors can you mention that are Christians? Right, so if a northerner northern Christian was picked, will these governors rally behind that sort of ticket, knowing full well that Ashwaji is from the southwest, and then they probably wouldn't feel um, they have a voice in that particular ticket. That was just... Yeah, well, it's, it's fair enough, fair, fair thinking, but then, then you ask yourself, is, is, is Nigeria a Muslim state? Nigeria is not a Muslim state. It's not an Islamic state. And no one should go in that direction. That direction is only going to destroy the country. Nigeria is multi-religious. It's not just Christians and Muslims that are here. You also have African traditional religionists. You also have atheists who are very quiet that you don't hear much about them. I'm a reverend. I'm a missionary, actually. I'm a global Christian leader, not just in Nigeria. I actually have held an international position as a Christian leader. But I still have to recognize that there are other people. I'm one of those Christians that believes in reaching out to Muslims because I believe that God made no mistake in creating and bringing into Nigeria Muslims and Christians together. So let's find ways to coexist and live in peace. So just because you have majority of the governors in the 19th Northern States being Muslims, I think it would be plus if they unite to support a Christian vice presidential candidate. What that does then is that it's gonna help Christians and Muslims at the local level to live together in peace. But the more those at the top continue to promote only what they believe to be an Islamic agenda, the more they're worsening how we live together. Justice and fairness is required. Governance with inclusiveness, it's a necessity. In the last seven years, now going to eight years, we haven't seen an inclusive government at the federal level. And believe you me, whether it's PDP did anything like that, I will say no to what they're doing. APC has done it, it's not a good example. It's not a way to go in the future. Have a government that is inclusive. Allow others that you are perceived to be minorities to actually also gain political power. Let them be supported. That's what I advocate for. I, and I believe in it. So. My, my last words, because I mean, I don't know how many more minutes are you going to give me to make my last yeah, Maybe now. just a minute, yeah. Okay. So it's to encourage Nigerians to pray, to prepare, to participate in this election, and to vote in leaders who will promote the common good for all Nigerians, irrespective of religion, ethnicity, and region. If we have a good candidate who is from a part of the country that's not necessarily yours, but you know he is a good candidate, and I'm making this appeal to all Nigerians, to all Muslims, to all Christians, to all African traditional religionists, please vote him in. Don't go out to say, I will only vote for 
Yoruba candidates. I will only vote for Igbo candidates. I will only vote for, for, for Fulani or Hausa candidates or Muslim candidates or Christian candidates. Any candidate that is good, full of integrity, not corrupt, somebody who has the tendency to be fair to everybody, vote for that person. Let's vote the best people to take over Nigeria going into the future. And I urge all Nigerians to conduct themselves peacefully during these elections in 2023. May God grant Nigeria peaceful elections come Amen. February, March 2023. Amen. Thank, Thank you very much, uh, the Reverend Dr. Gideon Paramalam. Really interesting uh, Thank having you. this conversation with you. Well, Gilbert, okay, unfortunately. It made evening. It made evening. Yeah, it made evening indeed. <laughs> Have a very good evening. My name is Ponsak Panab. The news will come your way top of the hour, 6 o'clock by now. Yeah.